The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. From days long ago, from uncharted regions of the universe, comes a legend. The dream that came through a million years, that lived on through all the tears. It came here, the Fandom Nexus. Fabulous secret powers were revealed to our host as he plugged in his microphone. I have a podcast! Here he is, your Spider-Pan, Jeremy. You know, I, I need to get some Christmas music going again on here. <laughs> I mean, I did for years. I had a Christmas intro when we hit December. But I uh, right now the intro I have is this, and I don't have a Christmas intro. I didn't have a Halloween intro this year either, so I don't know. I might have to play around and, and make something. I don't know. It's fun to have a Christmas intro. And you know what's, what's also fun? Not only have we hit December, so it's Christmas month. But this show, this episode right here, marks the first episode of season nine. I've officially been have completed eight years doing this. Eight years of podcasting. Eight years. My goodness. And of course, y'all know that I'm the Spider Pan Jeremy. And of course, y'all probably know the Lost Boy Pastor Phil, who you just heard. Oh, oh, oh. And he's very, feeling very Christmassy right now, apparently. Very okay. Santa. We've got a lot of fun here scheduled today, you know, because it's an anniversary thing and it's been Neverland in some form. It's been Neverland for eight years and going into ninth year. We're going to talk some Peter Pan today because we're both fans of Peter Pan. And I've, I've pulled up some information about the books and, of course, the movies. Uh, we're going to have some just fun talking about this stuff. Uh, but, of course, we've got a lot of other things going on. Uh, I got some stuff to talk about with the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. And uh, a lot of new trailers popping up, some interesting stuff that I've been watching, something I even noticed when I was watching something today. But yeah, there's just all kinds of fun stuff to start to to launch off our ninth year. Uh, We're coming up. Hopefully everything's going to work out. I'm trying to get something going for the 20th anniversary of Lord of the Rings. For the, I'm talking the films, of course. Uh, thank you. I'm having a hard time getting it coordinated. I, I, at one point, I had it all coming together, but I was trying to get it a little early to get everybody started talking about it. And uh, now that it's come time to start getting recording, I'm, I'm having a hard time getting a hold of everybody again. Like, oh, come on. I know I was a little early getting to say, hey, by the way, you know, Lord of the Rings, 20 years, who's in? And I had a bunch of, oh, yeah, this is great. But then... Now I get on Facebook, I'm like, hey, you know, I'd like to record at this certain time. That's pretty much the only time I have. And uh, I can't even get anybody because I've, I've got a busy few weeks. I mean, I've got my my uncle's funeral tomorrow. We've got, what, the 18th and stuff, I think. I mean, we got a Christmas program coming up in church really quick. Yeah, the 19th, yep. On the 19th. What is it I'm trying to remember about the 18th? No, that's the party, church. Mm. Okay. I knew I was busy with something. But yeah, this yeah. is this it's holiday month. This is a very busy time right now. Oh, yeah. I think I'm more busy this month than I usually am. Well, yeah, that's the norm. Usually this time of month, people are caught in Nakatomi buildings or gremlins. Yeah. Trying to save towns from weird green monsters. That's exactly right. It happens, you know. I mean, or hunting ghosts. I mean, let's remember there is a scene in Ghostbusters, you know, that they are running around with Christmas hats. At least Ghostbusters, too. It does happen. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it does happen during Christmas, but that's I have a qualifier for what makes a movie to be a Christmas movie, and it doesn't have to be because it something takes place d- during the time 
The time isn't yeah, what gets it. It has to be something more thematic. It has to be that something about that holiday affects the story. Planes, trains, yeah. and automobiles. What it's it's basically a road comedy. It's a buddy road comedy. But it becomes a Thanksgiving movie when you go that the trigger for the whole thing is they're trying to get home in time for Thanksgiving. Yes, that, that's one of the only Thanksgiving movies I can personally think of. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's not that many out there. No, it's kind of sad in a way. Yeah, uh, that that many. They're just not. Um, I mean, I guess you, you can find a, a couple of Pilgrim films, but they don't make them very often, and uh, and there's just not that many about Thanksgiving stuff. They did have a. There's a Squanto uh, movie. I never saw it. Yeah, we had that, and they had a, a one for the Waltons years ago that dealt with Thanksgiving. Yeah, uh, but that was a Walton's, you know, TV film. And so not many people know about it. They just think of it as a Walton's episode. Yeah. But, but see, for Christmas movies, here's how I can qualify Die Hard. He travels cross country to see his family for Christmas. He attends a Christmas party and that's where it all goes wrong, but he's doing Christmas things. Gremlins? I personally don't think it's a Christmas movie, but I like it. And I, and I, for the sake of fun, I watch it at Christmas as well as the whole year round. Same <laughs> yeah. with Gremlins and all that yeah. stuff, you know, now, Gremlins, Gizmo, Gizmo is a Christmas present. Christmas is the catalyst for that entire thing to happen. Just like Christmas is the catalyst for Die Hard. I more or less just think of that stuff as fun to think yeah. of as Christmas stuff. For myself, personally, it's just fun. It's like, yeah, I know it's become kind of a fun thing to think of those films and Batman Returns and all that stuff Christmas. Like, yeah, not really. I mean, they're fun. Talking about Batman Returns and all. There, it's just because it takes place, as yeah. you said. It, well, it's a, but, but Christmas is a major factor in Batman Returns in that at the first lighting of the tree ceremony is when the penguin triggers his entire giant present to come down so he can kidnap Max Shrek. It's also where he triggers when they try to relight it again. He murders the ice princess to blame Batman. So Christmas is a major factor in the plot. He even goes and interrupts a Christmas party. Keep in mind. That these films came out in June and July. That doesn't matter. Time doesn't matter. It's the thematic elements of the film. Okay. See, I don't go by time it came out. I go by the thematic elements in the film. Home Alone, really, Home Alone would just be a coming-of-age story if not for being the catalyst of the going-to-visit-people-in-Paris for Christmas that he gets left behind on. And you have some other Christmas elements too, but the movie isn't about Christmas. It's about him kind of coming of age and growing up and not being a little immature brat. Well, believe me, I, I don't really think of Home Alone as a Christmas movie either. It's just, that's what people <laughs> yeah. got used to, honestly. And Cause I think that came out in the summer too, didn't it? No, it came out Christmas. It, it did come out Christmas time. Okay. I remember we saw it again. We went to a theater uh, around in May around my birthday. I remember we all yeah, went, but it had yeah. been around for a while. Oh, I will say one film that's a Christmas movie in the sense that most people think of it that way. And it takes place uh, that time of year in the main parts. Um, most people think of it that way. But story-wise, it's not necessarily. And that is It's Wonderful Life. It's one of my Ooh, all-time yeah. favorites. Yeah, it's thought of for Christmas. But really, Christmas doesn't come into play until like near the end of the movie. Yeah. Well, it, it, it does in certain parts. I guess in the very beginning, whenever he, you remember, and I'm assuming mm, it's Christmas mm, yeah. when it's, it's winter when he saves his brother, right? And um, and we know that. And by the way, I'm sorry if I'm spoiling this for anyone. I mean, by now you should have seen it come out in 1940. <laughs> was it 48, 47, 46, something like that? It's an old uh, movie, know, y'all. <laughs> right after the the war, I, you know, uh, World War Two. I'm talking. Um, 
In fact, it was the first film that uh, that James Stewart made after the war. But anyway, um, they the, and after that film, they did, but the main part that takes place at Christmas and mm-hmm. it does, and it even starts off with a very Christmassy theme yeah. and has Christmassy looks and stuff. But for the most part, the story is about a man's life and near death, even. Yeah. So, you know. But it's still fun to watch around Christmas time. Oh, it's, uh, yeah. It's it's a great film. Mm-hmm. One of my all time favorites. You know that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a wonderful life. It's a wonderful movie. <laughs> oh, wonderful flick. <laughs> yes, indeed, he do. And if you haven't seen it, my goodness, go and check it out. Someone, somebody's probably showing it. For a while, when it uh, came out of public domain, every channel was just showing it. Constantly, <laughs> which, which is what made such a tradition for everybody yeah. at Christmas time because it was not a hit whatsoever, and so yeah. it basically they it lost its uh, copyright, and that so that everybody could show it, so that every channel was showing it in the seventies, and that uh, people started all loving it. In fact, it's in Gremlins. Yeah, uh, the mama's Merry watching Christmas, it. you whatever it is. Yeah, and we was like, "What is that silly Yo, movie?" I'm five and and then one day I saw it on TV playing. Like, oh, that's that silly movie from Gremlins. I said, yep. <laughs> and I fell in love with it. Yep. And it's Merry one of my Christmas, you old building it alone. Oh, yes. That's, that's exactly yes. right. Building alone. Yeah. And Merry <laughs> Christmas to you too, Mr. Potter. All right. Well, to dive into some other stuff, some of the typical things, what have you been watching? And I got to say, I've started some Christmas viewing. I've now gotten out and watched Santa Claus is Coming to Town. I didn't see it when it was on TV. I watched it later off of a DVD. Uh, and then also had to, because it's, it's it's a Disney movie, touched out Ernest Dave's Christmas. I've pulled out and watched it a couple weeks ago. Love that movie. And, you know, I think I've mentioned this before. It might have been a year or two ago, but who knows? Uh I mentioned that the actor who plays Santa Claus in that also plays Santa Claus. And and I I believe it was first actually that he was in uh, amazing uh, stories, uh, which is a Steven Spielberg show that he had. Uh, He uh, directed a couple episodes, but produced it. And it was uh, called amazing stories. It was on TV in 1985 and 86. And he, he did a couple seasons, but he did this great episode of Santa Claus. And that same actor played Santa. And and Santa gets arrested for a <laughs> short minute. And and uh, also, I can't think of the name of the actor right now. The same guy who played Commissioner Gordon on Batman 1989 and, and all Pat those Hingle? other. Pat Hingle, that's right. Mm-hmm. He plays the police officer who arrests. If you ever get to watch Amazing Stories, uh, you I bet you it's on YouTube. If not, I have it. But it, you look that up. Amazing uh, uh, amazing Adventures or Amazing Stories. No, Amazing Stories. Amazing mm-hmm. Adventures, the the spiritual show yeah but amazing stories look that up and there's a christmas one santa uh christmas 1985 or things what it's called or, or santa 1985 but look that up i'm telling you that's a fun episode nice yeah all right so well diving into what have you been playing and uh, you know what i actually took advantage there was a little bit of a black friday special going on and so i <laughs> i own a digital copy of the remake of resident evil 3 uh what's funny is that you're also able to unlock all of the uh special items without having to struggle through the game. I mean, I played the game normally. And if you happen to go, by the way, to the official Neverland gaming channel on YouTube, you can watch me. I've put it as a straight 
straight through my first time playing through and you can see me being awful at the game and then getting really you know much better at it by the time i get to the end of the game uh but after i completed it i've i've played it through a second time it only took me a couple hours because i gave myself an infinite rocket launcher and an infinite uh fully automatic assault rifle with infinite ammo <laughs> so it was a lot easier the second time uh you know the uh, nemesis did not threaten me <laughs> What is <laughs> oh, but it was fun. It was a lot of fun. But yeah, so I played it through twice. But the big one, and you've gotten to see some of this. Uh, for Minecraft, this past month, they released a uh, Walt Disney World. It's kind of basically a 50th anniversary oh. special. Magic Kingdom map. Uh, is for Basically, you have to have... Um, I want to say blender mode, but that's not the word bedrock, like a bedrock mode or whatever of, of Minecraft bedrock edition. Or basically you have to have like a full like windows or on your PlayStation or your Xbox or your switch. You have to have like a full purchased version. Uh, and then you can buy this additional map to go in and they've recreated the magic kingdom in Minecraft. And once again, I have this up on the official Neverland gaming channel where I went through and played through. Uh, I did edit it because there was, I got lost. I was trying to get all the autographs. Uh, but uh, I was able to I was able to show Lost Boy Phil some of this as well. Uh, it's pretty fun. Uh, it's not perfect, but it's it's pretty fun to just to go around like you're playing at Disneyland. It's just kind of eerie that you're the only person in Disneyland other than uh, some cast members. <clears throat> yeah, they did a good job uh, with what they had. They did yeah. a pretty good job putting it together. It it, uh, it kind of felt like you was there. I thought. Yeah. I felt like you was there and. Um, it's just weird when you ride a roller coaster and they don't have curves because everything is blocked. And so you kind of got this. You wouldn't want to play it in VR. You'd get sick. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oof. Yeah. It started to get to me a few times when I was just watching it. Yeah. And uh, got like, to, oh, man. got to the old uh, Wendy nerd as well. <laughs> uh, she came by Whoa. to kind of see some of it. Yeah. It didn't quite uh, go over so good. But yeah, I had some fun with it. But yeah, I don't ride the carousel because it goes on way too long and way too slow. And it's carousels are kind of fun to ride. I kind of enjoy them. But yeah, in the game, not so much. Yeah, it's just. Yeah, and it's, they, they only got one little bit of the sampled music and it's about a 30 second bit. And it just keeps playing that same bit instead of keeping going different music. And they did manage to get some of the music from the actual parks to put into the game. But you know, not everything was licensed or something. And I, I expect over time uh, they'll be able to add more things in as well. And I was also disappointed you cannot ride Splash Mountain. If you go over to it, you'll find Princess Tiana has already taken over. And all you can do is get an autograph. And I wanted to ride Splash Mountain, dog on it. <laughs> well, luckily you got to do the real deal. Well, not for long. There's, it's going to go kaput. I mean, you've gotten to do the real deal. Yeah, I've I've, I've gotten to ride it a few times, but I'm going to ride it again. It's a great ride. Yeah. So. Yeah. All righty. Well, have you gotten to play anything good this week? Well, just the norms. Just your normals. <clears throat> Nothing special. Okay. So Nothing special. I will say I've been very excited because I keep seeing things about the upcoming, you know, me, I'm into the wrestling games. Uh, and I've seen things coming about with the WWE uh, 2K game. And it's exciting for me because pardon me for saying this. I'm excited because the creation stuff is going to be great, which and all these other things, too. And I'm glad for one thing, I get to make fat people coming up this year. <laughs> and I'm not the thinnest guy in the world. And I'm glad creation wise, they're allowing us to finally make people 
besides one size fits all type. Mm, yeah. And I like that because one thing I hate is when you make people and you think, cause you don't get to see the size that someone is when you're making them. Yeah. You see them and you think, Oh, that looks right. Then you put them next to, let's say me or Andre the giant, whoever you put them next to him. You're like, Oh, wait a minute. That doesn't look so good because now suddenly some, this person's nearly the size of this other guy, and that's not fitting. That doesn't look right. I don't look anywhere as small as that, or whatever. <laughs> so, I, that is, but the what I've seen so far looks really good. Doesn't come out till March, but I'm all right with that. It's close to WrestleMania, so that'll be good. Yeah, and hopefully they fixed all the bugs. <laughs> it, it looks like it, and I hope so. I mean, I've said it before. Famous last words. So, right. Hopefully, hopefully, yeah. hopefully. We well, you know this that they the people in charge of it taken two and a half years. And one reason was, is because they would not go with the normal stuff. They brought in the people talking about the people of 2k here. They decided they're bringing in their basketball people because their basketball people are what makes their famous. Most famous game is the basketball and they're bringing in the people to make the very best of their system. So that's impressive to me. And the graphics look great and the creation stuff. They said they want the creative stuff to look almost just as good as the regular. And I'm that impressive too, because that's the one thing I never have liked is that you can always tell the difference usually between what's created and what's not. And uh, I want it to look, I'm not saying spot on because, you know, it's created, but at the same time, almost as good. That's what I'm hoping for. Well, we'll see come March. Yep. And you know, I'll be there. <laughs> yeah. That's a good time to be a wrestling nerd in that sense because they're also making AEW. I'm yeah. afraid of that. And I think I'd probably rather play an AEW. Although I need to find a way to be able to watch AEW because I've I've unplugged everything. And so I, I watched some YouTube video of all the AEW and kind of see some different stuff. But yeah, I you know, I think I'd rather watch their programming. Although WWE, I just did see that they did hire uh, because the NCAA has now made it to where players in the college students, you know, players in the NCAA can now use their likeness and endorsements to try to make some extra money. They're able to be hired by the WWE and they've hired like 21 different athletes to try to uh, broom them a little bit and see if they can make eventual superstars out of it. And these are, you know, basketball players, some wrestlers and, you know, different types of athletes from, uh, from uh, universities that are now going to be brought in for training. Yeah. We'll we'll see what they they do. And uh, I, uh, there's some things about WWE that needs a lot of work and there's even talks of someone taking over at some point, which needs to be done. And, uh, but there's a guy who already works there. It looks like they might be handing it over to him at some point and, uh, we'll see what happens, but I'm looking forward to seeing, uh, that I watch AEW as well. I'm not as used to it, but I, I watch it. I like a lot of the stars that are there. Uh, yeah, I have that I think probably... we'll, we'll work something out if we can, where you can watch it. Yeah. It's, I'm going to have to start coming over and watching it. <laughs> yeah, it's good. But good. anyways, uh, we really need to get into some news. Ooh. Disney and Geek Universe to bring you the best in comics, toys, movies, and entertainment. This is news from around Neverland. Now, I kind of missed something, but uh, I've gotten to catch up on it. So the Disney Parks official YouTube channel had put out some video showcasing Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. This is the big resort hotel 
that you book like a two, three day experience and you're living Star Wars is the idea. So, I mean, you go to a doorway, you don't see a hotel, but you, you go and you are quote unquote shuttled into the, the ship. And then it's supposed to be completely, totally immersive. Now, on paper, this sounds fantastic. It's totally immersive. The only times you go into the park is they have a special entrance they've built for you to go into the Galaxy's Edge, so you are still immersed in the Star Wars universe. Different story things will happen on the ship, and you know you have different events and different things to do. Basically, no matter how you go about it, though, you're paying about $6,000 to do this thing. So they put some video out there and Bob Chapek has bragged that they were booked. What well, their opening month of March was booked solid. Well, after this video came out, it was up for about six days and pulled. Now they're, reasoning I've been hearing about pulled and I, I've, I've tried to do some investigation. I've tried to look on YouTube for not the channels that are just want to talk drama, but for ones that are like legit, like trying to do some Disney news and like, Oh my gosh, did you see this happen? Well, if you, this, I did see a video where one guy looked and he says, if you go and look at March, which Bob Chapek bragged that it was booked solid, it's got cancellations all over it. And he showed some footage from this video that Disney had, and you could see like a plaster ceiling. So, I mean, they've done stuff to the walls. They kind of did something with the floors. The quote unquote windows are just, you know, screens looking out into space. So it looks like you're on the set of a Star Trek uh, television series. <laughs> but the, you can see the ceiling and it's a normal looking ceiling. So it's, it doesn't yeah. feel quite as immersive. But basically how he described this video and a lot of people end up there's dislikes happening. Although, you know, YouTube's trying to get to where you're not allowed to dislike videos. But People, he he called it cringy. Uh, when you when you got when you got a look at what's supposed to be immersive, it was cringy. Now Disney, of course, trying to cover themselves. You can pay fan sites, of course. You you can set things up where fan sites come in. You invite them in to come and check it out for a few hours, and have them just write wonderful things about you. And I did see IGN had a guy that was sent over to say wonderful things about the whole thing. But here's the thing. He didn't have a single photo, video, or anything inside the actual resort to show anybody. He only had the artwork. And the other guy who I'd seen, who was just some regular dude, noticed that the stuff that looked really good was this concept art that looked amazing. It was going to be so immersive. But when we actually get to see footage of the actual interior of it, it don't look as good. And this being a $6,000 attraction, this is aimed at hardcore Star Wars fans. And you're going to have to really have gone all out, which Disney should be capable of doing to really please the hardcore Star Wars fans. And another thing you don't want to do is set this in the sequel trilogy with the First Order. And unfortunately, they've done that as well. Whoops. Yes. The movies that are kind of like, well, all right. And some people are, there are people who are like, I don't care. It's Star Wars. I'm just going to love everything. And they're not going to be able to look critical. I mean, heck, there's people that treat Disney the same way. I'm not one of them people. I mean, I yeah. still had some fun with the sequel trilogy, but I would, you know, I kind of would rather watch the prequel trilogy overall. I think by the time we get to the end of the sequel trilogy, granted, I, I kind of liked the, uh, the, the, with the, that rise of Skywalker. I thought that was actually probably their best one. That's the one the critics hated, but I thought, you know what? I actually had some more fun with that one than I did the other two. 
but it's me you know, personally. Yeah. I'll stick with the original trilogy. Yep, myself. original trilogy all the way, dude. Yeah. So as I said, I don't like things about all of them. I do, but I like things about all of them. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that I think they're all just because it says Star Wars on the packaging. Yeah. Doesn't mean that I think that they're all perfect. But there are people who do treat it like that, you know, there, and that's fine. You can, if you, if you can enjoy it in any yeah. way, I love that. That's great. Yeah, Good for you. Too. I, you know, you should try to just enjoy things, but this is going to have some problems. And there are people predicting that this is going to be a crash and burn in March when this opens, but we'll see, we'll see, you know, I'm not one to, to predict there. I mean, they're, they apparently they have some problems, but this is still kind of a big deal. Yeah, maybe they can fix some of that. Like for for instance, for well, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, it shouldn't just be a plaster ceiling. It, it, if you're going to pay pay that much money, then it should look like you are in that world. Yeah, I mean, we don't want it to look like the old Star Trek series where it's like, well, it looks like a painted wall, and they just happen to hang a thing up there to make it look like it's. Uh, it's Star Wars, correct? Yeah, this is supposed to be Star Wars, but it's looking like it's a old Star Trek series, and so that's why I just want to make sure. Right, right. That's yeah. that, that's what that would look like. Is like the original yeah. Star Trek series. You know, it was just painted walls, and they just kind of did what they could, and well, that's yeah, what the ceiling went, looks like. But yeah, of course, what do ceilings that. look like in Star Wars? We've never actually got a good look at a ceiling that I can think of. So, <laughs> except for maybe in the original, we saw the little. Um, I guess we did see where uh, Tatooine, we saw they lived in the huts. Yeah, you but know, we, we're talking about a starship. What's the ceiling of a starship oh. actually look like? I'm trying to think. See, we Not haven't really gotten a good look at it, but, you know, it should, should still look like it's metal or something, right? I, yeah, oh, you would think. Yeah. You would think. I mean, shoot, I'll be honest with you. If that has gotten out, they know, you know they've seen that or they've heard it. There's somebody. I would go through and try to live nothing else with the time they have left because they got what three months. Yeah, they have time to fix this up. Paint it if nothing else. Metallic, you know, paint it. Do whatever you can. Do something. Make it. Yeah, make it look a little better. And you know, Disney is is capable, very capable of saying, oh. "Okay, we know what's went wrong, and this is what people are criticizing. Let's go back and fix it up, and we know what's wrong with it. So now we know what to fix, and then come back. And when it gets closer to to, to March, I bet we'll get another look, and we'll actually get to see the inside. And they'll be like, "Uh huh, look at this, look at this." You know, I mean, I wanted to look like the interior of the Tanta V. You know. <laughs> Something well, like that. Disney in the old days, we're not going to say he wasn't uh, into making money because, but his brother was the businessman. Right. He was about reaching out to people and bringing them in. Um, but nowadays the uh, M for, it doesn't stand for Mickey. It stands for money. Yeah. And quite frankly, uh, and that's a shame because Disney's y'all don't know me, but Disney's always been one of my all time favorite heartfelt things. I adored since I was itty bitty, I mean, idiot's bittiest. I've had Mickey Mouse wrapped around me, you know, me around him, hugging him, you know, I love the toys I've had of him. And I love Disney, but now I, I have to have an arm's length between the company and me as far as how I feel about their ways. We'll yeah. just leave it at that. Yeah. So let me ask you a question. How do you know what's real? Well, it's pretty simple, usually. <laughs> well, it might be time to wake up. You, and actually, I should probably have you have done this and tell me about it. 
you could pre-download something called The Matrix Awakens. It's an Unreal Engine 5 experience for free on PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X slash S now. Uh, it's, right now, it's a pre-download. I think they're going to release this officially here. Uh, 12-9, which is today, but it's in a couple hours because the Game Awards are going to kick off, and I think they want to show it as a special thing. But, you know, Unreal Engine 5, of course, if anyone who plays games is going to be familiar with Unreal Engine. I mean, they, they've... They're pretty much they've been making like the engine for a lot of games. You know, <laughs> a lot of game, a lot of game developers are using the Unreal Engine. But they, so there's a Matrix Awakens, an experience. I but I, we know nothing what this is. But of course, this is going to be tied in. Of course, we got a new film coming up next month, which, by the way, we yes, we'll, when we get the trailer park, we'll get there. But, uh, you know, at some point you'll have to get on your PlayStation 5. I wish I had one. Uh, and see, we'll see what this thing is. And maybe we'll be able to talk about it, you know, next time or something. But that they just dropped that that shell out there like, oh, hey, by the way, we've got this going on. And I was like, whoa, yeah, <laughs> sounds cool. I don't know what it is, but it sounds cool. But now moving into the world of Nintendo. Oh, and by the way, and I didn't put this in my notes. Thirty five years ago, the Legend of Zelda on Super on not Super Nintendo, but on the regular Nintendo. Wow. Oh, my gosh. You're making me feel really old. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, I I haven't found anything confirmed on anything at all. Because, I mean, it's this month is the anniversary of it, because I, th- I guess it was a December release because, you know, Christmas time is a good time to put out a big game. Oh, yeah. So. The, November. Yeah. Yeah. So there are people speculating that they may do some sort of special release on the Switch. People have thought. Well, maybe the Wind Waker will get, you know, we've got a remake of the Wind Waker, perhaps. I hope not. I didn't like the Wind Maker. Uh, but they already did an HD remaster of Twilight Princess, which is like my top Legend of Zelda game. So it's possible they could just bring that over to the Switch. I'd be happy with that. But there's there's a lot of thought that like this would be a good time for to bring some of the older games over onto the Switch again. But I don't have anything confirmed that anything is happening. But I believe me, I'm keeping an eye <laughs> if I find out something. And it could be because, you know, tonight is the Game Awards. Maybe they'll make an announcement tonight and we'll know something by tomorrow after this podcast has already been recorded and come out. But, ooh, I'm excited. New Legends. Well, not necessarily new, but because uh, I've still got Twilight Princess for the GameCube, but I would like to have it in a nice, you know, nice packaging on my Switch. I'd play it again that way. Certainly. But also in Nintendo news, and this is kind of a bit sad. Granted, this is this guy is not a household name to you, and I'm probably going to mispronounce his name. But I'm going to try. Me, Francis. I'm sorry. Yeah. I thought I was uh, <laughs> Masayuki Yamura, who is creator of the NES and the Super NES, passed away. Oh. Uh, at the age of 78, uh, he was the lead architect on oh. making those two systems. Uh, originally, you know, the Famicom, the system that would become the NES in the West, was the brainchild of Yumura, who joined Nintendo as an engineer from Sharp in 1972 at a time when it was tentatively exploring the possibilities of electronic entertainment. One of his first roles was to help with Nintendo's range of location-based light gun games. Pretty cool, huh? But yeah, so he has passed away, and there's some really fun uh, over at NintendoLife.com. They even have a... Uh, some pictures that I guess was somebody tweeted of him as a younger man working on the Famicom and him as an older man playing around on one. Oh, that's uh, awesome. And they got a great photo of him with a Nintendo just smiling. Uh, so 
Uh, got to thank him for his contribution for our delinquency of playing games when we should have been doing homework. <laughs> we love you, buddy. We love you. Yeah, because if it wasn't for that, I'd probably still would have been playing with my Atari. I, I played that thing long past its, its supposed lifespan. Yeah. Yeah. We were still playing it because that's all I had. So. That's all we had is past this ET days. Oh, yeah. And I was still playing that ET game. And I was even playing the Superman game that they say that one was awful, too. But I love that Superman game, man. I had all kinds of fun with that. So you go to a wall and just stay there. Please, up against that wall. <laughs> Superman would have flown through it and <laughs> if he was real. We just kind of stop. <laughs> I mean, you could circle. The only time I really got stopped is if you got hit by the kryptonite or if you were Clark and you tried to push up and then you're just kind of wiggling your legs because you couldn't fly. So, oh my goodness. But the old Atari Superman game was great. And you really couldn't lose because you were Superman. You would just try to beat your previous score by seeing how fast you could round up all the villains and rebuild the bridge. So. Uh, it was a great game I used to love to play that it was so much fun but speaking of some superheroes I found some great video this was I think uh, an overseas convention but they've released the videos but uh, I'm calling it basically it was like a Spider-Man villains panel this was Jamie Foxx Alfred Molina and Willem Dafoe sitting down having a talk with uh, these panelist people about the upcoming Far From Home, or is it? No, no, it's No Way Home. Far From Home was the last one. Spider-Man, No Way Home. Uh, I don't, now, uh, the one thing that's kind of missing here, I would like to see, you know, oh, I can't think of the actor's name who played the lizard, or um, uh, Thomas, whatever, uh, you know, Thomas Hayden Church, who played the Sandman. I I don't know if they're actually back, but uh, I have heard, you know, because we have seen Sandman. Uh, in some yeah. teasers uh, and they say the lizard might be well yeah I think I've seen the lizard around there too it's just the, that's where the controversy of the lizard looking like he gets punched by air but I when I went back and I watched the trailer I could not find the clip of what they show but yeah I've seen the clip but so it's I don't know what's going on with that uh, but the lizard is in there but I don't know if the actor is back as the lizard don't know but having these three back in and Willem Dafoe is uh, was very excited to talk about you've got a, a different sort of Norman Osborn who has uh, I think he called it a platform. He's got more motivation of what he's after and what he's doing. And they've, you know, the the people complain about the the Power Ranger look, as Weird Al put it, of the old Green Goblin outfit. Well, they've tried to tweak it, and if you look at the eyes, the eyes are kind of more inset and a little darker, a little bit more menacing. Uh, so, I, of course, I'm excited just because they're there. But uh, they've done some stuff here to make this look good, and ooh, I'm excited. I'm glad. I'm glad because. Uh, it, now that I'm more excited about it now because it it would be a way to almost fix the things that happen on the other films. I enjoyed those films at the time, not the second uh, 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 Amazing oh, Spider-Man Two. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I hated that. Um, it really wasn't had nothing to do with Jane, even though you know Electro is one of my favorites. I didn't like their input of it, their version of it. Honestly, I didn't like that, but. Uh, and it had nothing to do with Jamie. I think he's a great actor, but yeah, he is wonderful. Uh, did, but I did not care at all for the way they did Green Goblin. In that, oh yeah, uh, their Harry was kind of weird. Oh my gosh, that was terrible. But uh, oh, he he reminded me more of a jackal than he did. <laughs> yeah, you know, he really did. All that being said, I didn't hate those uh, films in the sense that I thought they had some good points too. And the sport, of course, the original ones, uh, the original three had some good points, except for that, you know, a lot of that last thing was 
bad, but there was still good stuff in it too. Sandman, for instance, I enjoyed Sandman. And, uh, and I thought that, uh, the first two films, especially the second one was the great. I love that yeah. second movie. with Dr. Octopus. That was a great movie. And I, I'm glad that they, they can kind of almost fix it. Yeah. Well, the nice thing is Jamie Foxx said he was not painted blue this time. They went more kind of a classic style electro, which you can kind of see when you see him in that teaser. He's kind of got the electrical stuff around his head, making it look a little bit like the mask. Good, because as you know, that was what I wanted. Mm -hmm. You remember, I told you then that I like the original electro look myself. Good for him. That's good. So they're doing some stuff like there. So that looks very, very cool. So yes, very, very excited. Yeah. So that's coming up also mm-hmm. next month. Apparently with pre-sales for tickets on that, they're already, uh, I guess, I don't know if they've beat any records or not, but they're really excited about pre-sales on that. So people are going back to theaters. See, yeah, we got to see that and a couple other things coming out, but I want to see that big time. Oh, indeed. Uh, but yeah. it's time to go to the trailer park. Mama, now the gator got in the house. Now the gator? Give me that sugar. Come here. Get him, Mama. Get that gator. The Neverland Trailer Park. All right. Now this, I knew it was coming, but I didn't know this this soon. I might have to block something out because of music in this one. Oh, and I forgot to set the sound properly on there, so nobody's hearing nothing anyway. Uh, but there is some music in this that I need to be careful about. So we'll we'll see how much of we, audio we get off of this one. Story. Is this the room you grew up in? Uh, it, it is, but uh, my, my dorm room is very adult. Right. No, of course. Hey, are these your drawings? What? No, oh, no. good. <sighs> I missed you too. Okay. So, what are you doing here? I, I mean, I, I thought I'd never see you again. Want to get out of here? Grounded. Bummer. What? Is Spider-Man grounded? Uh, I mean, I... Two big kickers in this. One being that Spider-Man 2099 has shown up. 
And also, this is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part 1. So not only are we getting a sequel to the, uh, uh, what was that other one called? Uh, doggone it. The, the, the Miles Morales animated one. Not only are we getting a sequel to it, we're getting two sequels. And, oh yeah, uh, Spider, it's a Spider-Verse saga, but here's where their description they have. Miles Morales returns for the next chapter of the Oscar-winning Spider-Verse saga, an epic adventure that will transport Brooklyn's full-time friendly neighborhood Spider-Man across the multiverse to join forces with Gwen Stacy and a new team of Spider-People to face off with a villain more powerful than anything they have ever encountered. And this is another screenplay from Phil Lord and Christopher Millen with David Callahan. Uh, the cast involved includes Oscar Isaac, Shamik Moore, and Haley Steinfield. So, yeah, I figured there was going to be a sequel to that one because the other one, they did such a good job of it. Enter the Spider-Verse. That's what it was. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is a fun movie. And I know you really enjoyed it. You were getting like super excited when you were watching it. I was. I had just come home from the hospital, too, if you recall. Oh, yeah. Uh, and we, you'd come over to watch it. And uh, I that was uh, almost three years ago. Wow. Uh, Has it been that long already? Yeah. And uh, I had just got over the, I only got to be on for a couple weeks. If you remember My anyway, goodness. we wanted to go into all that, except to say that was one of the only things I got to do. That was of joy after I got home from the hospital, you brought <laughs> it over and we watched it. And that was a great thing. I was in, I was nearly in tears because that was just great. Yeah. Was it was, wonderful. it was so much fun. It really was. It was great. If you remember, we didn't know if we were going to enjoy it or not yeah. because we, we was like, oh, man, what are they doing? Because we didn't know much about the Miles Morales. We knew a little, but when we went into it, we didn't know what to expect. I think sometimes going into a film, not knowing if you're going to like it or not, ends up being kind of a fun thing because you end up getting so much more for your for your buck, so to speak. Yeah, you don't have expectations that need to be met. You're just like, well, let's go check it out. And I wasn't so sure that the, about the animation style because it looked choppy, yeah. and I was like, Ugh. but when you kind of see the style of the, what they were going for, it kind of worked. I still wish it wasn't so choppy, but you know, it's it was yeah, still I a lot it. of fun. I love Spider Ham, and <laughs> I loved, uh, and now we get to have a well, one of my favorites is 2009. Well, I still got the first issue that I picked up the day it came out. My goodness, and um, so. I, I used to go to the comic book shop every time I get paid, which would have to be on the Tuesdays and stuff. The day they bring out the comics at the time. And I used to go down and do those. And I got all the new 2099s. I remember I was just so thrilled. Yeah. You collected, <laughs> I think every 2099. Didn't you? Yeah, I did. You got everybody. My goodness. But yeah, it's kind of cool to see Miguel showing up. Kind of wonder what's up going on with that. Who, who knows? Uh, this was just a tease. Really? Just a yeah. tease. We don't know what's coming, but uh, that looks, uh, it's October 7th of 2022. Now, I have not looked at this next thing I have. Uh, It is a, something from Spider-Man No Way Home. It's called Green Goblin Unmasked trailer. Hi everyone, I am Tom Holland. You might recognize me as your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. And (laughs) I am here to tell you that Spidey's back. Yeah, that was, that's the villain panel thing that I was talking about. (laughs) So, whoops, yeah. Uh, that's a, like a two minute thing. And I don't think I'd be permitted to, to air that entire thing. Uh, so the next thing that did have a, have another tease, but there really wasn't any dialogue, but we got a new look at the book of Boba Fett and uh. really didn't get anything new except for, and there's people already speculating on this. There's one particular shot that it seems like we're looking up at Boba Fett from the Rancor pit and people are like, the Rancor's back. Like the Rancor's dead, but he could get another one, maybe. But do I? I'm not going to say that I would know that for sure. 
It can be a flashback. It, well, no, it's not a flashback because it's them of their age and he's got the helmet off. Oh, I see. But they're looking down. And you're, but the the shot you have is that is very recognizable of looking up through the grate uh, from the Rancor pit because it's the same shot you'd see Return of the Jedi, you know, when everybody's kind of leaning down and watching Luke down there, you know, uh, or, or or when the dancer initially was was being killed and you didn't see anything and you're just looking up at everybody leaning over watching her getting eaten by a Rancor, you know. So, but it's yeah, it's that I mean, angle, and so people are like, are "We gonna have a new Rancor in there? Don't know. Yeah, Not gonna say for sure." And, yeah, a lot of times people get a big kick out of coming up with new ideas. Yeah, and that's fine. People they get a kick out of. The only problem I don't, I, the only problem I ever have is when people are like this is what's going to happen. Sometimes they get too big into that. <laughs> then when it doesn't happen, they say, "Oh, I just hated it. That was just awful." It's like, well, yeah, if you hadn't went in for the expectation, if you just went and said, "Well, let's see what they've done." Yeah, which is why we've. Oh, you know, we should have done some episode talking about that. The second part of Masters of the Universe Revelation being pretty awesome. Yeah. So, I loved it. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the whole thing, so yep. personally. Yeah, because uh, I went in without the only expectation I had. It was going to be He-Man and the Masters of the Universe in some degree. And it was. Well, it was Masters of the Universe, but it was fun, great yep. fun. But yeah, I we can't get into it now. we got to get on the trailer park. Yep. I'd have to dedicate an entire show to that. <laughs> so here we got The Matrix Resurrections. We can't see it. But we're all trapped inside these strange repeating loops. of people just living out their lives oblivious but this is the moment for you to show us what is real I remember this Maybe this isn't the story we think it is. They taught you good. Made you believe their world was all you deserved. But some part of you knew that was a lie. Some part of you remembered what was real. It's so easy to forget how much noise the Matrix pumps into your head. Something else makes the same kind of noise.
still no kung fu. December 22nd. This comes out. We got to see that. that. From visionary filmmaker Lana Wachowski comes The Matrix Resurrections, the long-awaited next chapter in the groundbreaking franchise that redefined a genre. The new film reunites original stars Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss in the iconic roles that they made famous Neo and Trinity. Uh, There's a lot more to be read here on this, but I don't want to read everything because it gives away maybe a little too much information. But... uh, this has something to do with the loops that were mentioned in the second film where they always bring back the one. But I, I'm wondering what's going on with uh, there was a piece at the end of the third movie. They decided, OK, we're going to get along and we're going to just live together. And the only way that that third movie makes any sense, though, is you had to watch the Animatrix. So technically, there's like four movies. The Animatrix helps explain the history to know that uh, the humans weren't so great either in this. And so them just like, you know what? We just need to end the hostilities and learn to live together, uh, which is kind of what the third movie was doing. But a lot of people weren't ready for that because they didn't watch the Animatrix, which was an animated feature. But yeah, yeah. This, this looks, you know, pretty cool. Uh, I don't know that both Wachowskis are at all involved because I only see Lana's name in there. Uh, so. And it looks like the screenplay was written by Wachowski, David Mitchell and Alexander Heyman. I think that's how you saw it. And uh so I don't know where the other Wachowski is. That what we've got here is the Wachowski that has since uh, transed, or well, I, don't, I, I don't know what you'd call it, but it's. It, I think it used to be Larry, and now it's Lana. Oh, that's <laughs> that's what we got going on here. So, but if there's only one Wachowski involved. I don't know if that's going to affect how well it's been put together. I don't know. Yeah. Now, this next thing, uh, Cobra Kai season four, I may have to just mute this because it plays some classic rock all throughout. And it's technically I mean, it's going to be a copyright thing. Um, But did did you get a chance to see the Cobra Kai season four trailer there, Phil? I have not. Okay, well, I want you to be able to at least see this. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be very careful about this. I'm going to have to pull the mute back away a few times. Johnny and I can actually work together and we win, Cobra Kai will be out of business. You gotta take things to the next level. Eagles do not respond. They swoop down and take whatever they want. First, you gotta learn how to fly. Come on, we're gonna get sued here. Uh, sue me for what? Tighten that cord. Our enemies are working together. They are combining their styles to beat us. But there is only one way. And the only other person who knows how to teach Cobra Kai is you. Now we're talking. (laughs) You miss this, don't you? Just want to make sure this time we win. To beat the enemy. Show me wax on, wax off. It helps to know the enemy's playbook. Balance is crucial. Man can't stand. He can't fight. Daniel LaRusso. Does it really come down to this? Johnny Lawrence playing second fiddle. I just want what's best for Miguel and all of your students. So now you know what's best for Miguel. Circle around things your whole life. Wait for problems to show up at your doorstep. You cannot strike first with this guy. 
You just don't want to admit there's always been a little Cobra Kai in you. Everybody thinks their way is the only way. You, my dad, Cobra Kai. The truth is, it doesn't matter which way you fight as long as it works. No fighting until the tournament. We'll settle this on the mat. time to step into the future. This proposal will revolutionize the tournament by a show of hands. God help us all. Welcome to the 51st annual All Valley Under 18 Karate Tournament! December 31st. Yeah, man, that's cool. <laughs> and you didn't get, like you couldn't it. hear any of the audio from where you're at at all, huh? I could. Oh, you did get to hear the audio. Awesome, good. Yeah, I was a little worried about some uh, some classic Def Leppard going on there. Yeah. Uh, but oh my gosh, this looks like the best season ever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, man, they're building it up. I was all excited just watching it because once again, it looks like they're going to save the horrible part three. <laughs> yeah, they're going to try to rescue what happened in part three and, and bring back Terry Silver because he was a pretty nasty over the top villain. Oh, so. he's, he's a, a, kind of a fun actor and always yeah. play that kind of squeeze. <laughs> well, you know, the fun thing is this coming out on the 31st. You know what? My recommendation to stay up until midnight for New Year's is going to be just binge yeah. this thing, man. Let's do it, brother. Let's get ourselves all built up into it, man. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Looks low, so flippin' exciting. And I love that you see in this trailer that Daniel is teaching Johnny, and he's got him on the car, waxing on and waxing off. And then you go back, and you also see uh, Johnny training Daniel in some Cobra Kai style. Yeah. Which is really kind of interesting with, with Terry Silver going, it's like, you know, you need to admit, Daniel, that you've always had a little Cobra Kai in you. Well, he was. He did yeah. technically go to Cobra Kai yeah. in part three. Yeah, Terry Silver's the guy that kind of corrupted him for a while. Yeah, that that scene where he always shows him laugh at him, you know, because he basically now guys got to remember I'm a pastor, but uh, in that it's a very cheesy film. I mean, be honest, because it's so overboard in their cheesiness, but I still like it. But and you have, uh, you know, oh, I can't think of his name right now, but uh, the Cobra Kai man. uh, Oh, I. What's his name? Uh, the Crease. Uh, yeah, Crease. Crease. Crease in there. I, he's my favorite, honestly. But Crease in there is a, he comes in and he's, you know, just being like, boo. And I, I was so cheesy, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's funny. But the thing is, is when it's happening, it's, it's so much like the devil. Like mm. they're over there on the side and they're there the whole time. We've got you where we want you. <laughs> we trapped you. <laughs> yeah. This was our plan. And it's all. And the funny thing about it is, is it, it was 1984 when the first one happened, 1989 when they did this, this third film. And it's only supposed to have been like a, they make it like it's been a year or so later. Yeah. And, and it's like, wow, he aged a lot in a year. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause the only one Jeez. that actually shows a gap of time is in karate kid too. You do have a gap that suddenly we make it to the end of the school year. Yeah. You know, and That's then like, it. 
Karate Kid 3, they've just come back from Okinawa and we're launching into the story, but it's like, this is years later. He's gotten a lot older. It, it makes sense, though, because let's be honest, it's the guy who did Rocky. Mm-hmm. And you go from Rocky 1 to 2, and then suddenly time goes to heck in a handbasket, and they went through the Twilight Zone or something because the sun suddenly aged <laughs> what, five, six, seven years or more. Yeah. He did more and aging he, than John Connor. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Right. And you're like, wow. <laughs> uh, it's, it's somewhere it gets lost in translation oh, or in yeah. the Twilight Zone. <laughs> Going into the Twilight Zone. <laughs> Copyright violations. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you make a song called that. Copyright violation. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I really could. Yeah. Uh, but yes, so super excited. I mean, we got Boba Fett coming up de- in December already on like the 22nd. And then we, I mean, there's stuff to watch on TV again. Hooray. And then we get Cobra Kai on the 31st. And in the meantime, we got a new Spider-Man movie that looks awesome. And a new Matrix movie that looks awesome. And if that's not enough, Saved by the Bell is back. <laughs> Who cares? I ain't talking about it on this show. Yeah, but... You're oh, yeah, yeah, forget that. That butt is big and hairy, and I don't want to discuss it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just mean Ugh. at least we have a, a way of remembering, uh, you know, Dustin. And so at least they're, yeah. they're going to have it for Screech, you know. Yeah, they did a little thing to, to, for Screech. And then uh, where they posted to Facebook and where they were sharing that, that's where I saw everybody was saying, oh, yeah, they, they, it's kind of awkward for them, I'm sure, to do that because they all hated Dustin Diamond because Dustin Diamond was a real jerk in real he life. Was. So. The Screech character was somewhat lovable, but, but the actor the was actor? a fan. Yeah, not so much. Yeah. So, but, yeah, yeah. but hey, at least the fun, fun, fun. Yeah, <laughs> we got a great TV review to to discuss in here, and I, I do have a sounder which I don't have uploaded into my uh, device here. But uh, Hawkeye. Oh yes, we are four episodes. You've been watching this, right? Well, I watched. Three of them. I had, didn't get to watch last night yet because you know I had church, right? And right. Uh, and then I had uh, discussions, uh, which I can't talk about right now. But uh, um, anyway, I had uh, uh, had a long talk after that, so I wasn't able to watch last night. So I, I wanted to. Oh. So I do plan to watch that, but I've watched it so far. I've been deep in it. Yeah, and, and then the odd thing is I'm seeing things where they're saying, oh, well, this is the lowest rated Marvel show that they've had. Yeah. And I think it's because uh, too many people, they don't understand how, how cool a character that Hawkeye really is. That he's, you know, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. it's kind of like Aquaman. Aquaman gets kind of a bad rap, but Aquaman's pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, Aquaman's honestly one of my all-time favorites. Yeah, uh, so but, the DC, you know that. Yeah. Well, Hawkeye is a pretty cool character. And I love that this series we're diving into. And it's a very personal story for Hawkeye uh, and dealing a lot with uh, why he, he became the Ronin and the consequences of him becoming the Ronin. And there was even a great conversation here in episode four, uh, because basically this deals with, uh, and yeah, I've mentioned before, this is his kind of a, his replacement coming in and he's going to be teaching his replacement. And we see a little bit more in this fourth episode of him teaching his replacement and also saying, talking to her about why he doesn't really want her to have to get involved in this. Uh, he says some very profound things in the fourth episode, which I'm not going to say because I, you haven't seen it and I don't want to spoil it for any of the listeners well, here either. But I, this, I like about this. 
It's been funny and uh, action packed and uh, and a, a very good, interesting, developing story that they're taking their time and telling a good story. And I don't know what's going to happen next. But uh, the one thing I also got to throw them a big shout out for is this takes place during Christmas. And really, the overall thing is Clint Barton just wants to get home to his family for Christmas. But yeah, you nice. hear the music. C-3PO singing yeah. bells, 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 as we oh. know from the Star Wars Christmas album. Yeah. Yes, that's awesome. You know. <laughs> That's awesome. I can't wait to hear that. Uh, it's because that's one of my thing, things that you and I did. And uh, incidentally, Jeremy, you know, I'm, t- I'm talking about my ex-wife now, but uh, that was her first introduction to Star Wars was <laughs> you playing that album. She thought she was like, what is Star Wars? What on earth? Because she was raised in a family where they weren't into all that stuff. So she had no idea. She ended up loving Star Wars now, but for the longest time, she had no idea what Star Wars was because that was her first introduction to it. Was yes. that album? <laughs> My goodness! Yeah, because of you. <laughs> yeah, there we go. I am the corruptor of souls. I, I bring you into the world of Star Wars. <laughs> this is yeah. what I do. I've been doing it for. I'm starting my ninth year of doing this to people. I'm bringing you into yeah. the world, into the nexus. This yeah, is what but I not do. The, uh, not a good Nexus. It was that horrible album, Bells, Bells. Oh, come on. That's a great album. I love it, but it's horrible. Oh, I mean, it's I, I love it. That, it's one of those things that is, it's a, it's like it's a charming, uh, horrible thing. It's kind of like a, what we used to say about some of the heels of wrestling. We love to hate them. We hate to love them. <laughs> this is the album that brought us John Bon Jovi. That's true. That I is true. About that. Yeah, he's he's the one who sings R two D two. We wish you a merry Christmas. <laughs> and I love that song. I really do. I really love the R two D two. I wish you a merry Christmas song. Yes, <laughs> yes, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's adorable. It's cute. It is. Yes, yeah. cool. I've always loved R two D two since I was a little kid. Yeah, anyway, oh, me so too. I remember. Uh, well, I don't know if you know this or not. When I was five, and Empire Strikes Back had just come out, uh, just like a year before that, they had. Uh, brought out these stuffed toys oh yeah i had chewbacca and i had r2d2 and r2d2 had a squeezy thing and uh i loved it man oh yeah i have pictures of me receiving it and i would uh, honestly go to sleep hugging those things every night loved them and uh i had the chewbacca till oh a few years ago unfortunately i think it was a flood or something had molded it and uh or something to that effect and i just loved it loved it all those are some of my favorite things. Oh, indeed. Yes, it's great memories. Good now, stuff. But anyway, I, I like the Hawkeye so far. I, and the actress in there who's playing this young girl. Katie. She's outstanding. Yeah, Katie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't remember her name. She is outstanding. Just adorable uh, because she has these sparkling eyes. And what I love about her is she is really in it, in that role so well, that she seems real, like a real person in the sense that the uh, I believe everything she's saying and, uh, and I feel for her, like, uh, you know, like I, I feel sorry for her sometimes when she's going through stuff she's going through and, uh, poor so little rich I, girl. I, <laughs> well, yeah, but she's not, I mean, she is wealthy, but I don't want to give anything away in case people haven't seen it yet, but she's kind of stuck in a situation, um, without a father and this, yeah. Situation, you know, I can't talk about, it, but more or less, uh, you kind of see it coming from afar. 
Yeah, and I suspect and, we're going to find out how the her mother got their wealth back because you see the, the opening of the series that yeah. they've lost their money. But uh, there's something going on, and we're still learning. Yeah, yeah. and and I have to, to. I mean, that's why I say I feel kind of bad for her because she seems to be very moral, and I don't think everyone who's involved with that uh, family is. Yeah, and so that's you know. Stuck in a rough situation. Yeah, well, she's she's moral, but what she can get into some mischief, which we also see that in the first oh, episode. Yes. When, which I I did find a little bit silly that one single arrow could could crumble that much and just just drop a bell like that. That was a little silly, yes. but you know, well, she can get in uh, mischief easily. And something about being young. Yeah, sometimes you think you're doing right, or you think it's not that big of a deal what you're doing, and it is. That was funny though. It was funny because yeah. that, uh, I was like, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> <laughs> That's like, "Oh, your little joke is you know, it's like ring the bell." Well, you broke the bell. Congratulations! Not just the bell. <laughs> she broke the building with an arrow. Yeah, yeah. Which it, just it was, seems silly, but that's still fun. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was a fun. Thing. Like, well, now you see. Now you know. Now you know why not. <laughs> the <quote laughs> yeah. guy from <laughs> Cowboys. <laughs> Uh, why not why not now you know why not yep. <laughs> all right well it is time to turn a quick corner and do something in celebration of starting our ninth year and we're going to talk about peter pan now i this is interesting i did not know this peter pan first appeared as a character in jm barry's the little white bird in 1902 which was an adult novel in chapters 13 through 18, titled Peter Pan in Kensington Gardens, Peter is a seven-day-old baby and has flown from his nursery to Kensington Gardens in London, where the fairies and birds taught him to fly. He is described as a betwixt and between a boy and a bird. Following the success of the 1904 play, various publishers Hodder and Stoughton extracted these chapters of The Little White Bird and published them in 1906 under the title Peter Pan in Kensington Gardens with the addition of illustrations by Arthur Rackham. Barry then, of course, returned to the character of Peter Pan, putting him at the center of his stage play entitled Peter Pan or The Boy Who Wouldn't Grow Up, which premiered 27th of December, coming up very, you know, very soon, the anniversary, in 1904 at the Duke of York's Theatre in London. And Barry later adapted and expanded the play storyline as a novel, which was published in 1911 as Peter and Wendy. Now, see, I did, I not, I did not know about this I Little White Bird that. book. I heard of The Little White Bird, and, I, and I've heard of the Kingston Garden and all that, but I did not realize that that was first. Yeah. I kind of assumed, because I actually have a copy of it, but I assumed... That that came second. I don't know why, but maybe because I'm so used to the fame, the, the famous story of Peter Pan, Wendy and all. It just seemed to me like something that would be afterwards. Like, oh, it's so popular. We'll just say, you know, assuming, you know what assuming does. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But well, it doesn't it just sound like something that they make second to area. I had no idea. Yeah. Uh, this is what I love. Okay. So if anybody wants to understand a big chunk of what we do here. Here's a nice description here on Wikipedia. Peter Pan has become a cultural icon symbolizing youthful innocence and escapism. Mm -hmm. And is that not a big chunk of what we do here? We, we, we try to keep the show very fun and innocent and also go into that escapism of just all the fun things that we enjoy. I'm a very much a sentimentalist. If you, that's mm -hmm. a great, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. We're very sentimental and very nostalgic, and we we try to be as innocent as we possibly can as people. But escapism—that's all about coming to Neverland—is escape from all the stuff we have to deal with in the regular world 
to just escape and have a good time and have some fun. We all, you all can't see my room that I'm in now, but I am surrounded by action figures and collectibles mm-hmm. on my wall of every sort from Jaws to Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure to Stan Lee to Popeye to Batman to Ghostbusters to whatever else you want to say. It's just basically uh, even the Karate Kid. I mean, I just do whatever it takes me back to my youth. These are the types of things that I do that I enjoy because it reminds me of good feelings, good times. Oh, yeah. My good thing. Actually, have toys of the old uh, Gilligan's Island uh, playset that uh, from Fisher Price that I used to use when I was a little kid. <laughs> yep. Oh, here's something that... I've always found interesting. Okay, so we mentioned now in the Peter Pan and Kensington Gardens, or the little white bird, he's seven days old, which I think they used some of that concept in the the movie Hook. Uh, but it says here, although his age is not stated in Barry's play or novel, the novel mentions that he still had all of his baby teeth. In other ways, the character appears to be about 12 to 13 years old, which I kind of I kind of get where they would go that because he has to be a little bit older just to be able to, to deal with things. And But I, it seems like he's gotten to where as a male, he'd be right on the verge of puberty, but never going to cross that line and begin puberty. Never going to lose yeah. those baby teeth. Never going to get an adult teeth. Never going to his body's never going to be sure he's going to stay right at that cusp where he'll never change yeah. be mature mm-hmm. and yet enjoy he won't grow up he won't grow up. that's where that song comes from yep yep play and da, 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 da. <laughs> and that's one of the things i did appreciate i mean th- there's been several adaptions of trying to bring peter pan to the the big screen but i did appreciate uh i think it was a 2003 film where they had yeah, a, had a wendy who is you know, girls start maturing sooner than boys do. And she's yeah. hit that point. And even though they were like in the alike in age, he'll never cross over into that romantic feeling at all. But yet yeah. she will go there. And that is the theme, really, that it pops up in the books. I mean, Peter, he's got the attraction. He's got the eye of, you know, probably Tiger Lily uh, and all these mermaids and Wendy and even definitely Tinkerbell. He's got the eye of all of them, but he cares nothing. He's still at that point of like doesn't even give it a thought there's yeah, no, no romantic no, attachment yeah no romantic and but that what they did a good job in that 2003 i have that movie yeah and, it, it um, wasn't bad yeah you know there was something that would have done differently but the truth be told they had great actors and, yeah. and the uh the girl who played wendy did a tremendous job and so did the boy who, yeah. did, who played peter but yeah. the, the girl uh who played wendy she was a beautiful little girl who was, uh, you could tell she, uh, at times, I remember when they were, they were looking at her, uh, it was the camera was coming into her whenever she was trying to kiss him. I thought it was great because at one time, uh, the stuff that said to her is that you start to have the, uh, the kiss of your mother on the side of your lips or something to that effect. And as they were saying that, I, I was like, you know, they did a perfect job in this film of making it to where you could tell that she's starting to become a young woman, but she's not. Now, yeah, she's still a little girl mm-hmm. and that's perfect because you can see the innocence on her. And yet she's starting to be an attractive young lady. And he, they did a great job with that, yeah. you know, and uh, I thought that was really wonderful that they did that there. She's still innocent. And yet you can tell she's starting to like him and he likes her, but he doesn't want to admit that he likes her. He's yeah, kind of stuck in that area. Because if you start to grow up, he'd rather kill you. <laughs> 
yeah, get away from me. He's pretty aggressive in the in the uh, in the books, which I like this description of his personality here. Uh, it says Peter is an exaggerated stereotype of a boastful and careless boy. He claims greatness, even when such claims are questionable, such as congratulating himself when Wendy reattaches his shadow. In the play and yeah. the book, Peter symbolizes the selfishness of childhood and is portrayed as being forgetful and self-centered. Peter has a nonchalant devil-may-care attitude and is fearlessly cocky when it comes to putting himself in danger. Barry writes that when Peter thought he was going to die in Marooner's Rock, he felt scared, yet he felt only one shudder. With his blithe attitude, he says, to die will be an awfully big adventure. And in the play, the unseen and unnamed narrator ponders what might have been if Peter had stayed with Wendy so that his cry might have become, to live would be an awfully big adventure. But he can never quite get the hang of it, which I love the fact that in Hook, they used that line. At the end of the movie, oh, to live will be an awfully big adventure. So I, I and, and really, and you get, you know, Peter is he's a fighter. I mean, he's yeah. he is a fighter, and he's 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 dead serious. It's like if you start to grow up, because uh, he gets kind of upset with his lost boys and Wendy in the book. Because uh, I've never seen the play, uh, but you know when they're talking about going and going home and to grow up, and he says, "Oh, you grow up, and I will kill you. I kill adults. Mm-mm, I do. I because he despises adults." Now I'm sure there's some history, maybe in that uh, when he's like a few days old, maybe some reason why he despises adults so much. But I read I, some of the book, and um, and I've seen some versions of the play, but I don't remember if if. Uh, if it goes into it, because it seems like they went deeper into it, into the book, but I don't remember the reasoning. Yeah. And even uh, recently, well, I guess it's not that recent, but uh, there was a, pro- a podcast called Disney Story Origins. This now has become Cinema Story Origins. I do advise y'all go and check it out. Uh, the guy who does that show, he does deep dives and does a really good job of retelling the stories. And he compares like the Disney film or whatever type of film to the source material. And he does a really great de- deep dive in about two episodes in Peter Pan. So I will toss everybody over to make sure I, you know, I'm recommending that. It was very, he did a really good job of uh of diving in there and sharing the story right now he's doing the princess bride which has been also a lot of fun because i've i've uh, listened to that audiobook as well uh and i have listened to the audiobook of peter pan and i do own a print copy which i'm trying to remember if i brought it with me to get margaret carey to sign it for me or not i don't remember but i have I did, when i did get to meet margaret carey all those years back at a convention i probably should have brought the book with me because i bet she'd have signed it for me and i bet i've got a signed copy i just i'm not sure I, i'm gonna have to go look Dang it. I bet I do. Yeah, I'm going to have to read that again, though. But yeah, it's a it's a great, great, great book. And you get you only get like a few adventures because they mentioned all this other stuff going on. And his favorite game, of course, that they mentioned a hook of him, you know, having dinner where they don't necessarily have food. They don't know if they're ever actually really going to have food or you're just going to pretend to eat. And I like in Hook yeah. that they took it to the point of when they're pretending to eat, somehow know that they really are getting feet. If you can imagine it, it becomes real in the Hook. And I, I I appreciate that because I would not be appreciative of like, oh, we're going to imagine we're eating. Well, you know what? I'm still hungry because this imagination doesn't fuel my stomach. <laughs> so, it would kill you eventually. Yeah, it, it wouldn't go over very well. So... <laughs> Hmm. Oh, well, here, here's a little bit here about his family. Peter Pan ran away from his parents when he was a baby, as told to Peter Pan in Kensington Gardens and Peter and Wendy. Finding the window closed and seeing a new baby boy in the house when he returned sometime later, he believed his parents no longer wanted him and never came back. This younger sibling is referred to in the chapter of Lockout Time in Peter Pan in Kensington Gardens, but is not mentioned again. I wonder if that is the thing why he despises adults. That's in Hook. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, in Hook they went into that. 
Yeah, it went into that and Hook, and uh, um, I can't remember if it's in any of the other adaptations that I've seen, but in Red, but I know that um, that is in Hook that uh, he went back and they had another one. They picked yeah. up a child and he flew away and uh, and it said something to the effect of the reason why he ran away. He ran away in the stroller because she was already planning out his future and he didn't want to be a lawyer. Right. He didn't want to do all those stuff. He didn't want and, to grow up. And, yeah. Which is why in, in that movie, it was kind of interesting on my hook that he became a lawyer after all, <laughs> that she was playing a lawyer or a doctor or whatever. Yeah. And he didn't want to do all that. He didn't ever want to be in a, you know, had it all planned out and it didn't sound good. So he ran away in his stroller. <laughs> yeah. And I like his reasoning as a baby is like, is everyone who grows up has to die someday. Yeah. Yeah. He was afraid of death. Yeah. Even as a child. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Uh, but yeah. this, of course, you know, Walt Disney played Peter Pan in a play and it was his favorite. And yeah. so later on in his career and the, this film came out in 1953, the animated feature film Peter Pan, which uh, I think, yeah, I think you loaned a copy to me because I hadn't seen it. Yeah. And uh, you're like, oh, you got to check it out. And I, I watched it. And I was like, oh, man, this is great. Uh, and yeah, I love how the, the hook almost feels like a sequel uh, to the Disney yeah. film. Well. And the other thing was, and, and of course, I'm, the, I, I was a fan of Robin Williams. I didn't necessarily like every movie he did, but I liked almost all of them. Yeah. And um, and the thing is, is if any of y'all ever went to what was known as MGM Studios at the time, there was a a scene. I mean, there was a, a place that had an animation studio, which was a dream of mine back then to become yeah. an animator for a and long time. You, yes, and when you go in there, they would show you could watch them actually animate things and what was really great was there's this little film that you could watch in the beginning when you go in and it shows Robin Williams dressed up uh, with a goofy hat on and all this and he would start talking about animation and he'd walk in there and he they'd take him in the animation studios and he's talking to uh well he's talking with Walter Cronkite at the time mm. and uh he was doing the interview and they show the animation and he's, he's they talked about this thing this before Hook was made by the way and uh, by about uh, three or four years. And whenever they did that, they said it, uh, something about animation. He goes, we can make you into an animated movie. By the way, this is before Aladdin as well. And because uh, Hook came out before Aladdin. Anyway, they said Return to Neverland. I think that's what they called it. And that's before they made Return to Neverland, their movie. And uh, when they did that, they made this little uh, lost boy that looked just like Robin Williams. Mm. And it was a neat little short. And it showed him as a little lost boy, scared of Captain Hook, and Peter Pan comes back and saves him. And it, it, if you can find that, Jeremy, I'm telling you, it is a cute little thing. Yeah, I think I've seen uh, it on YouTube. Yes, yeah. yes. And I know I've heard it in it, a podcast, you know, years ago, used to play the audio of that one all the time. Uh, yeah, it was really neat. And uh, uh, I remember I took it seriously. It's talking about it's a sequel to Peter Pan. I thought that they was being sincere, saying that they're going to make a sequel to Peter Pan. And I was all excited about it, thinking that they was really going to make one called Return to Neverland. And uh, so I was incorrect, of course. But a couple of years later, they brought it out, the uh, hook. I was like, oh, good, good, good. You know, so maybe I am kind of getting it. And and then years later, and I'm not saying it was great, but there's things about Return to Neverland I did like. And then when they made this sequel called that, it was to me, it was kind of like a, you know, somewhat of what I wanted. And uh, I thought that at least I got a return to Neverland. Finally, yeah. I wish it had been more like what they'd done with Robin Williams, though. Yeah, and I remember Robin trying Williams to watch it and falling asleep. 
Yeah, it wasn't great, but it did have some fun. And uh, it's not as good as the original, that's for certain, but it at least is fun. Uh, it had yeah. some fun stuff in it, at least. And but, oh, there's a great uh, quote here from Walt Disney. I want to read this. He's describing Peter Pan's personality. He flies without wings. His shadow leads a merry little life of its own. Face to face with a terrible Captain Hook, Peter dispatches that pirate with jaunty ease. Peter is at home with mermaids and understands their language. He is 12 years old forever simply because he refuses to grow up beyond that comfortable age. Most remarkable of all, he knows where Neverland is and how to get there. And one thing I think is fun about that because you get, you know, in, in the animated one, you you get this weird idea like they're flying to a star. Even Hook kind of did this. They f- like you're flying into a star and the star becomes Neverland. But when you get into the book and you realize how they travel there, it's it's nautical directions, how they would navigate by stars. Because the entire flight to Neverland, they're over the ocean. And they go to this mm-hmm. island in the middle of the ocean somewhere. That is Neverland. That is a magical place. But it helps to explain how some pirates had gotten there. And now I don't know how some Native Americans got on the island, but, you know, hey. It's, that's, it is what it is. <laughs> I don't know how they got there, but they're there. Straight on till morning. Yep. But yeah, it's a nautical direction. So I don't know exactly what star they're they're pointing at. Is it the North Star? And they go two Maybe. stars over from the North Star? Don't know. But it's a nautical direction to take to go to Neverland. Or you could just come back next week and we'll take you to Neverland with us as we do. The, uh, well, I would say every week, but I haven't quite, you know, we almost kind of missed a week there. <laughs> but if you keep coming back here and you subscribe to this podcast, we'll take you to Neverland as often as we can. That's right. Been doing it for over eight years now. Starting our ninth year in Adventures Here in Neverland. My goodness. Mr. Spider-Pan with some lost boys. Yes, indeedy. (laughs) Yes, indeedy. This is, before we we round this out, though, I found this to be very interesting. There's a listing on a, a Disney fandom wiki. You know, powers and abilities. Flight. Peter's most unique trait is his ability to fly without any physical methods. He uses this to gain the advantage on those who cannot. Semi-immortality. Peter cannot die of old age, but it is never stated whether or not he can survive death. Eternal youth. Peter cannot age due to living in Neverland with his claims suggest that it prevents people from aging. Dagger fighting. Peter Peter is very skilled with his trusty dagger, or at least in the the, um, cartoon. I think he's got a little bit more of a weapon in the book, perhaps. I don't remember. Uh, but anyways, he's able to wield it with such skill that he can fight a master swordsman like his nemesis, Capitan Hook, who, of course, he cut off his hand and fit to the crocodile. You all know that. Uh, and to hold his own. However, Peter often fights while flying, which gives him an edge. When he fights Hook without flying, he's almost killed. And, of course, voice mimicry. Peter has an uncanny talent for impersonating others' voices, and he does this when he imitates Hook and tries to trick Mr. Smee into taking Tiger Lily back to her people. And in the Kingdom Hearts games, he imitates Smee to lure out Hook. And in both cases, Smee and Hook are fooled. So there we go. The great Peter yeah. Pan. And one of your favorite stories. I always, I always think about whenever he, uh, he would put his hat to his mouth in that cartoon. <laughs> Tiger Lily. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Smee, run tight, Tiger Lily. Yes. Oh, good, good stuff. Yeah, great stuff. But as we sign off, we want to remind you, of course, to visit our website, NeverlandPodcast.com. And right in the middle of the page, you will find, if you click on the words for My Podcast Reviews, if you happen to have a podcast and you'd like to see what your reviews are from around the world, My Podcast Reviews will help you be able to get a good look at all of them for a minimum 
the very great little service. And you can even find some reviews right there on the page. We, of course, want to thank Karen Kennedy, Ricky Pope of Christian Nerds Unite, and Darren Wilhite of the Wilhite Wall Show for helping me out with the intro. And also Ricky's voice. You can hear him on our new movie review, uh, which we didn't have a movie review this week because I didn't see it in Cantato. But... Uh, I've been seeing a lot of bad reviews, so I don't know. Uh, but uh, also, make sure you can email us, podcast at neverlandpodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter, NeverlandPCast, and find us on Facebook at Neverland Podcast. We have both a fan page and a group. You can leave us a voicemail, 816-226-6492. And please do visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash neverlandpodcast. We can't make the magic without your help. But as we like to say now, get lost. In an adventure! <laughs>